welcome to the Audio Book Club. My name is Giovanna Alessandro, and I'm back to host this episode on Blood and Guts in High School by Kathy Ackerman. The book was originally published in 1984, but this year it was republished on Penguin in their modern classic series. It's a novel in three parts, in each of which a bunch of authors are mentioned and their language are text appropriated, dissected and put back together in this collage that is essentially a coming-of-age story from hell. We follow Janie, aged 10 to 14, on her journey from Mexico to New York to Changxi. Janie is subjected to incest, rape, prostitution, kidnapping and slavery before she dies, just 14 years old. Despite the grim storyline, the text is both witty, upbeat, charming and, of course, pretty dark. To discuss this, we have, as always, Sarah Omini. Hi. Macon Holt. Hello. And first-time panel member, Dieter Nestam-Messen. Hi. Welcome. Thanks. So let's start out. The book is in three parts. The first part is called Inside High School, and the second part is called Outside High School, and the third and last is called Journey to the End of the Night. And in the first part, Inside High School, we have this relationship where we get to know Janie, our narrator, who lives with her dad in a totally fucked up, perverted father-daughter relationship. Yeah, is it her dad? That's what I was clinging to. <laughs> as well. yeah. Or is it just a guy she calls daddy? Is that the And that's one of the many parts of the book, right? Because we also know that she's 10 years old, but is, is she, she really 10 yeah. years old? No one knows. <laughs> but, I mean, in the first part of the first part, it says, Parents stink. Never having known a mother, her mother had died when Janie was a year old. Janie depended on her father for everything and regarded her father as boyfriend, brother, sister, money, amusement, and father. And this sort of does set the scene mm. for everything. But this is like a like a deconstructive move, right? Like she's deconstructing a kind of intimate relationship mm. with, and, and then just like leaning into uh, more problematic elements of it to to explore that. And explore um, the fucked upness of that. We're not meant to take any of that literally. No, I but, think you yeah, yeah. are and you aren't. I, yeah, I definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But it also, I also can't deny the fact that she, he's mm. in no uncertain terms referred to as her father. And mm. like the only thing that questions that she is, that he is her father is, is the reader. There's nowhere in the text that it says that he isn't her father. Right. So I, I've, oscillated between the two. Mm. Yeah, because we're so desperate to make meaning from this, right? And it doesn't make sense if it's her dad or if she's 10 years old. So we like start, yeah, interpreting in our own way. Yeah. But I mean, the first lines here are also very like recognizable, having this one person that needs to be everything. Mm. And mm. that is what she's doing with yeah, him. Yeah. yeah, and that's, I think, the thing that she's mostly exploring, isn't it? That this, mm. the one person needs to be everything, mm. uh, which is... And then she's like, you know, making sure that she always calls him father, like just to kind of like show how fucked up that needing everything is. And then, but like, even though like she's always referred to as the father, um, that's like purely a label though, isn't it? Like yeah. it's just operating as a label. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's from, no fatherliness. No, and no. from their dynamic, she seems much more like the parents. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because mm. the dad is like, "Oh, I need to be on my own. I need to find out who I am." And she's like, "Yeah, but how long is this gonna take? Yeah. And you're leaving me." And yeah, but uh, she's still looking for his, uh, um, for his love and his affection, like very, like strongly. Like mm. also on the first page, she says that she tore up her father's bed um, because he's gone. Like. She's really like looking for his love in a very desperate way, and that's mm-hmm. that's also how I felt like it. It is a father 
a daughter relationship put into place, but it's a very dysfunctional one. And obviously also all of the sex. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the obvious one. In addition to the dysfunction, there's the sex too. Which is yeah, but I feel like that's a part of, of her, her tricks with this mm. book also to put something so like out of this world uh incest relationship and you want to go straight to freud but you're like that's too easy yeah. Yeah. so why yeah. is yeah. the hacker putting this in the beginning of the book so yeah. i felt like that was one of her tricks to to make you mm. disoriented as a right as a reader basically. but there is so much violence in this book mm. i became numb yeah. Like Same. it didn't yeah. feel like a violent book or that mm. the violence was actually there because maybe there was just too much or it was so casually dropped. Yeah. Like mm. then she was raped again. Yeah. And then she was beaten up and then there was a traffic accident and then she slept with her father. Yeah. And yeah, I think the fact that she started with this whole incest relationship <laughs> with her dad, which isn't, I mean, she she's super into this relationship. Mm -hmm. I, that definitely numbed me like right from the beginning. So yeah. it made that I could accept all the other things that happened mm. much easier. Because mm. I was like, okay, suspend yeah. all disbelief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Which also is like why she wants to, I guess, take it into that space. Because as you're saying, like, yeah, you can run, you can run straight to Freud, but she's making sure, like, oh, is it Freud looking for? Here's the father then. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's um it's making it so that you have to work harder with that, and so you have to also not expect what you want from that mm. particular relationship as well it makes sure. that not the not the safe home which is being defied it makes yeah. it a, yeah mm. yeah i think this the the first part really plays into what i felt like the author wanted to do with this book mm. was to defy all notions of a novel mm. to say this is not a novel but it is in a novel form so try if you can figure <laughs> it out somehow i felt very outsmarted <laughs> yeah. the entire time and like what the delightful. fuck is this? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing because there is a storyline. So in that way, it is a novel, but mm. it's never as if the story is about the story. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. about how it's written because yeah. it is like a trampoline of in, an experimental writing style. Mm. Um, mm. So it's more of a genre or like an object uh, or a critique than it is of yeah. an actual book. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to like, I think it seems also like the, the story is somewhat, I can't, I don't know for sure if it's story because I've not read this other book, but it's like the Marquis de Sade's, um, what's it, the, the the name of the woman? Justine. Justine, yeah, that mm. kind of thing where she's like eventually just being corrupted more and more and more and like being like brutalized in every conceivable way, becoming diseased and then eventually dying. Mm. Like yeah. that's, I think, just like, she's just taken that, like, oh, let's have that. And then, <laughs> and then on, on this, we can hang a bunch of other contemporary stuff, like a whole section about um, President Carter, which just read oh, red. So oh, so beautiful. That red kind of dated. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, Carter, really? All right. Never really thought of Carter as like the great controversial figure. <laughs> and that's in the third part of the book, uh, yeah. right? Okay, Where she's in a relationship with him. I'd forgotten about that. Same. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much information that it seems like the storyline sort of steps into the background. And I've we were talking about it earlier and I'd forgotten a lot of the events that had happened yeah. in the story. Because yeah, because they, they never seem that important or maybe there's just too many events mm. that just happens without any, like, mm. fuss about them. Yeah, and also the way you read the, the book is also... It's so, uh, constantly like um, interrupted by mm. drawings or diagrams you have to read, or mm, yeah. like this entire section on Persian poetry with the Persian letters. Like it really f um, interrupts how you read a book normally mm. because yes. you have to stop and read tiny, tiny notes on a diagram and try to understand the <coughs> diagram. So mostly don't give any sense. Yeah. 
So like the way we read normally is also corrupted. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing about this book, right? Because I had did not have a feeling that it was meant to be read from page one to the last yeah. page. Like you can basically open the book anywhere and yeah. just read yeah. Yeah. because the story is never important. Yeah. Uh, it's the style and the method. And do you think that this method, because I was like trying to make something out of it because I felt it was really difficult to say anything about this book as a book because yeah. it's not a classical novel. Mm. And like you can like it's an unreliable narrator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> But maybe this um, method of writing is supposed to like force the reader to question yeah. the words that are thrown onto her, mm. uh, and in which yeah. um, definitely. But also, but also reading in general, reading novels is this is a big fuck you to reading novels because yeah. this is not mm. how you read. This is anti-reading a novel. This mm. is the opposite. Anti-language and in general, which, yeah. like how we communicate. Yeah, which yeah. is like explicitly kind of done when she does the section where she's again at the end where she's ripping on uh, Erica Young. Mm. And like, oh, you've written the conventional feminist novel. Oh, great. Second wave feminism is saved. blah de blah, blah I'm Erica Young. <laughs> <laughs> but also when the, I can't remember the section exactly, but I'm I'm reminded of the judges, the the four judges when she's in prison in Egypt. Yeah. Um, that, that come up to her and tell her all these things like, you're a woman, what are you doing? Um, and you suck and you're the worst, whatever, whatever. And her response is, I need a, oh, here it is. Yeah. It's a page 100. 36. <laughs> Mr. Fuckface, you see, we own the language. Language must be used clearly and precisely to reveal our universe. Mr. Blowjob, those rebels are never clear. What they say doesn't make sense. Mr. Fuckface, <laughs> it even goes against all the religions to tamper with the sacred languages. Mr. Blowjob, without language, the only people the rebels can kill are themselves. And that repeats that sort of rant on mm. language mm. and... yeah. Um, it comes back again and again. So to me, it also felt like not just novels, but also mm. the way we communicate is being mm. yeah. disrupted. Yeah, I think so too. Which is also like, I guess, kind of speaks to her um, friendship and influence with someone like William Burroughs, where it's yeah. like, let's just stick stuff together. Because like, even when we're saying that things are disruptive, it's not just like there's a diagram on the next page that disrupts it. Sometimes it's sentence to sentence yeah. or within a sentence. Mm. Like these, like the grammar is just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and then... And then <laughs> And you have to go to yourself like, is that, they must have checked this. <laughs> so, because that's, that's also the 16th time this has happened. So they must have checked this. Mm. And yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, there are parts where I was reading and I'm like, am I really tired? Is this even <laughs> making sense? Like, wh where did that narr narrative come from? Like, this, yeah. this is what happens all the time. It's like reading uh, Naked Lunch, basically, I feel it's. But this is more coherent, coherent though, in this narrative. <laughs> But um, yeah, you question yourself all the time. And you had this method for writing of if it all if it has already been written, then either write it better or go and steal it in the library, <laughs> uh, which I really like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that. But this thing that she does is like take from the whole Western literary canon and like piece it together. Is it a giant fuck you to literature or like the established canon or is it more of like an O2? I think it's both because yeah. Yeah. she does also talk about that in the book. There's a there's a teacher, I think Mr. Linkler, who is also the slave trader. Yeah. Who, yeah. yeah mm. Who talks about what makes a healthy person or a good thug. I can't actually remember. Um, and he talks about culture and Western civilization and stuff. And Janie sort of internalizes that. And later when she's in prison and writes on her scrap of paper, she very sarcastically talks about education being 
these clever men who want you to suck their cocks. Mm. And um, mm. so everything she says about everything, she contradicts. Yeah. So it's I find it very difficult to get a sense of what she feels. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it also uh, comes into how the entire thing about insanity and being crazy and this book plays together because they also talk in the same chapter. He says, uh, where does culture come from? I will tell you. It comes from disease. All the great artists, Goethe, Schiller, and Jean-Paul Sartre, you must read Nancien French, blah, 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 <laughs> so on, so on, so on. I mean, and every, like, um, Janie is sometimes described as insane or crazy or driven by desire and so on. That makes her the crazy woman. So I, I think it's, it's also, like, it's also about transgression of the normality also mm -hmm. and transgression of literary of yeah, literature as a as a whole but it, it comes from that it also comes from a place of love mm. I think mm. so yeah. yeah it's like maybe she's saying like uh, literature's done a good good job so far but it needs to go further yeah like kind of like it's uh, it's all very well but we shouldn't delude ourselves into saying the project's done mm. yeah is she demystifying literature as an institution by writing in this way and cutting up these like established classical novels Whilst also doing a lot of yeah, remystification exactly. at the same time, like it's kind of mm -hmm. it's it it's that yeah the demystifying remystifying section mm -hmm. of like I, it's really hard to work out what the other than this kind of this very um, distant narrative which goes through the book it's really hard to work out what the organizing principle of the sections is mm -hmm. like only that maybe just things get worse for Janie when she's mentioned but then she's not for a long times and then. Mm. Um, so yeah, she's demystifying like the access to expression, expression through language, and she's demystifying like the notion that you can be artistic within language. Um, but at the same time, she's mystifying intent a great deal. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. One thing Sarah was saying before was that this Mr. Linker, you said like he was both her teacher and then he was also the slave trader, yeah. and that's a reoccurring thing of all the men in the book. They're sort of heroes and violators at the same time. And there are only men, except for Janie, and, and all the men. Young. And, and Erica <laughs> Young, of course, is and mentioned. The, and, the and then there's the Parisian sale, French yeah, girl. the sales girl yeah. uh, for a short while uh, where, when she works in the bakery. Oh yeah. But otherwise, it's only men, and they are all, I think, without exception, uh, heroes and perpetrators, because mm. um, she's yeah continually raped and kidnapped and taken hostage and. And can you call this a feminist novel? Because I think it has been done. She, like later, she's been taken on as a feminist icon, but... She's a controversial feminist icon. Though. Yeah, like but, she's She's like yeah. a sex-positive feminist who, who writes exclusively almost about rape, which mm -hmm. is a, a strange position to be in. Yeah, but maybe but, this is also one of the very rare yeah. cases where it's a woman who sees that she's being, being violated, but she keeps coming back for more. Yeah. And, like, she knows sort of what is happening. Mm. She keeps talking, but she's about not doing the right thing at any given time. Yeah, yeah but also towards the no the end of the novel, they they I don't remember who and uh, whatever, but I remember there's something about she talks. She might talk about um, how she's made as a woman, how she's put in a position as a woman, mm -hmm. and this thing with her desire, her sexual desire, and her. Her, her quest for love at the same time mm. that's repeated again and again mm. like she wants to have sex but she also wants to have love and desire somewhere in between mm. that I think mm. it also again transgresses um, uh, like 
how we expect a woman to to or we expected mm. a woman to behave in society mm. at this point it was written like mm. she was not supposed to be to to have sexual desires mm. and this woman just like transgresses all of it takes mm. all of the shit that's there and seeks rape like yeah. by herself i think there is some some very like If, like trying to defy moral standards at the time it's very important in this book mm. and also it was I read it was classified as pornography in several countries when mm. it came out Wonderful. it was banned in Western Germany uh, because it was promoting incest Western mm. Germany yes yeah. uh, because it was it was translated into German and then yeah. it was banned I think a year later because it was promoting incest uh, and glorifying incest but I think was it also in South Africa maybe yeah. that it was banned censored Yeah, but I mean South Africa in the 80s is not yeah. really <laughs> moral <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's hard to read that she keeps getting raped and kidnapped and mm. and but she also there's like some parts of it where she seeks out the rape kind of herself. She mm. knows she's getting yeah. fucked by society. She's gonna rape by all these men, but she seeks out herself. And there's some like emancipation in that. I feel mm. like yeah. yeah. And is there or is it just reverting? Uh, like, is he taking the male stance or is he doing doing something new? She glorifies the the, the penis also a lot. So mm. that's kind There's of a like, lot of drawings as yeah. well yeah. in the book yeah. of penises. penises and cunts and cunts. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's more like she she kind of like she's she's glorifying perversion. Yeah. in lots of ways. Like it's she's she's like really like trying to make a point of um, her pleasure and enjoyment is intimately tied up in pain, and it's this kind of constant push pull of like presence and absence with a lover or. A sexual partner and and the, the 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 yeah the suffering is entwined in the enjoyment and she's just making that very clear and in really like just like direct statements where yeah she's obviously like going out and pursuing rape mm. which is really problematic for lots of reasons but also like that's the problem you're meant to sit with the problematic doesn't mean it shouldn't be there it means you sit with yeah. it and go let's yeah. Yeah. yeah and then eventually something maybe happens in your brain mm. Mm. But now you reminded me of something, uh, because one book that we've had here in the podcast was The Story of the Eye. Yeah. And I feel that like that book is present in this book. Yeah. And it became sort of a game to find literary references <laughs> for me. And they're the obvious one, like uh, Hawthorne. She's mm-hmm. uh, paraphrasing in yeah, paraphrasing the Scarlet Letter. Um and Chantonette is present mm-hmm. in the third part of the book. She mentioned Shakespeare at one point, where I thought there was this dialogue at one point. I think it's still in the first section, um, where she talks with her dad, uh, and she's still with him. And it's like a few hours later, a few hours later, a few hours later. The thing is, like, we have this like slippage where we're going, she talks with her dad, where she talks with the character who's called father. <laughs> yeah. Whose name is Johnny. His name is Johnny. Yeah, that's true. And like, mm-hmm. and like we just like almost kind of want the perversion to be even better, like even more perverse than it's, she's giving us like the bare bones of like, now fill this in. And then we just like are tempted to, uh, anyway. Mm. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like you do that if you just take the book for, if you just agree that this is the book you're reading and this is, uh, I'm, I'm agreeing to the book's terms. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, but he is mm. only like... In my defense, I think he's only called Johnny when she talks with her friend called Bill, right? Mm-hmm. About Johnny. Yeah, yeah. And also outside the the what's it called the the lines where it says father uh, dot dot blah 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 Janie dot dot. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, the description parts in between where he's called Johnny as mm-hmm. well. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I I thought that was also to to mess up with the yeah. reader's expectations mm-hmm. of who's the father and so on. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, but Ty is definitely present in this. Like it's it's like she's just she's tuning into certain traditions of 
debauched writers and saying there's so much you can transgress so much with just the words we used to be polite and acceptable we can mm. just slightly and yeah. when we uh, when we were here f- uh, to record the story of the eye podcast i remember everyone giggling and going like yeah i became sort of horny uh, from reading this <laughs> <laughs> did anyone like this did this book turn anyone well yeah but on? but i luxuriates far more in this <laughs> <sense. laughs> yeah Whereas this is like was like, and then he raped me in the ass, and I was like, yeah. like that's, yeah. and that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely not, definitely not. Like watching yeah. *Nymphomaniac*, like no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. I haven't done that. Me neither. But I did watch *Antichrist*. I had the same feeling towards the end of *Antichrist* as I had in, in a lot of the parts of this book where she. I'm going of, outside for five seconds. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll <laughs> see you. <laughs> I need fifteen minutes on my own. Where you, where you just like that point where you had to close your eyes and yeah. you knew what was happening, but you couldn't. Um, no, I felt I, it was very sort of physical for me uh, mm. when she. Mm did the sexual scenes describe them yeah um but not in a good way in a sort of yeah. painful way yeah. no but they, were, yeah. they, were, they were always like kept to a sentence though they were like almost always incredibly brief i mm. think that's what makes them so because she doesn't romanticize them yeah or or spend any time in them at all yeah that so, happened yeah yeah did yeah. you find any other literary references uh i thought about the last part that happens in tangier yeah uh that was like i felt like, again, it was a reference to all these writers that went to Tangier or Morocco. Mm-hmm. Uh, when was that? In the 60s? Uh, I don't know if that's true. But, you know, like uh, all the French writers that went to Morocco and wrote from Tangier as a free zone. So there's a lot like Boros, for instance, mm-hmm. the parts of Naked mm-hmm. Lunch is happening in Tangier. And I felt like that was a reference, but also a mockery of mm-hmm. that place yeah. as a literary yeah. place. Yeah. Because why the hell is she going to Tangier? <laughs> like, yeah. this is out of the blue. And yeah, also, she finds a passport. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and just and then goes. she goes. Yeah. But also, when she meets Jeanette, at first he loves her. <clears throat> and then he starts to tell her what a terrible person she is. And she just keeps hanging on to him, even though he. So it seems like a kind of self awareness that uh, we maybe we wouldn't be best buddies if I met <laughs> with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it's uh, just. An accelerated disappointment as well. Like this would be maybe a relationship that took a uh, at least a few months, but now it's only a f- in a few pages. He realizes he doesn't like me, but I still love him. And like the more he dislikes me, the more I like him. And the, weirdly, both of you keep sticking to each other. Yeah, codependency. Mm. Delicious codependency. Yeah, mm. I mean the last part of the second part. She says um, um, she decided there is no need to kill yourself if you got cancer. As she slowly walked down the open back stairs of the Sutton Avenue apartment building, she saw a passport and a paid ticket to that place of magic, Tangier. <laughs> and it's so out of the blue. I was like, is this really happening? And yeah. then a journey to the end of the night. Come on. like, Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But yeah, this is uh, from that section, the last one, just before she goes to uh, Tangier. Uh, and keeping in mind that Kathy Acker died from cancer. like. Yeah. Oh, that was awkward to read. 13 years later, I think. Having cancer is like having a baby. If you're a woman and you can't have a baby because you're starving poor or because no man wants anything to do with you or because you're lonely and miserable and frightened and totally insane, you might as well get cancer. You can feel your lump and your nurse knowing it will only always get better. Bigger, sorry. It (laughs) eats you and gradually you learn, as all good mothers learn, to love yourself. Yeah. yeah, but this was one of the sections that I liked the most. Um, yeah. Like it's mm. like a report as when she's having her abortions, and I, she mm. has a few abortions. Yeah, yeah. She has like three, I think. Yeah, uh, and I like what That's you wrote about up. that. Mm. Yeah. Um, like the reports from sitting in the waiting room mm. and having it done, mm. and I felt that yeah. to me that was where the book was strongest. Yes, um, same and best. 
Yeah. Yeah. I also love the the poems that Janie writes to the slave trader because uh yes to the slave trader who she falls in love with because she has nothing else to do. I'm mm. um, stuck in her prison cell. And I think she mentions that she she writes down what she remembers from teaching herself Persian and they all read as like really awkward high school translations from Latin mm-hmm. where all the words are in the wrong order and so it starts out reading as a terrible translation and then it sort of becomes this weird punk poetry mm. and then it fades into something else i really that that gripped me a lot as well yeah <clears throat> but i feel like going back to the cancer part and also i feel like it's kind of connected to the abortion part also because all these physical things about her body as abortions and cancer are again like trying to to revolt somehow mm. i feel like because it says <clears throat> in the same part um that um that she was uh okay she says she was no longer totally impotent and passive about her lousy situation now she could do something about the pain in the world she could die <laughs> this is very but her, like her body is a way to defy like being a healthy body yeah, and a yeah, normal yeah, person yeah. and just fitting into society like she gets mm. cancer because then she can die she can do something about right. the pain and yeah. she takes it on herself yeah. it's very like <clears throat> hardcore to use your own body that way to like destroy yeah. it somehow to mm. to defy society but i feel like that's what what's happening there well, actually, that, yeah that's the same kind of transgression you find with but also in like the anorexia oh yeah i was thinking about the scarlet letter that she also oh. talks about because when what's the main character hester hester print yeah, yeah she also writes about hester realizing that she that doing something for someone else i think she saves the priest who is also the mm. father of her baby mm. and has caused her to be cast out of society and doing something good for him has liberated her or something i can't remember the quote exactly but that as you were reading that i <laughs> thought back to that yeah definitely yeah, yeah. so is that so it's just just trying to it's the transgression of the body as a site of life and yeah. as, a, as a, an affirmative vitalist source. Mm. And also as something like almost a public property. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, now that, yeah, it's the only thing you can do then destroy it strategically, yeah. mm. uh, like an aliens and anorexia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then there's that, there's that kind of the entwining of the thing. That's actually maybe the biopolitics of as well, where you have like um, a discourse that says, this is the site of life. This is the site of vitalism. And then that's only really for the political ends of mm. it being the reproduction of the society. Yeah. So you have these nice, yeah. So you have this propagandistic level and the, and the practical actual level. Like we don't really care. We just need more like workers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so this book is littered with illustrations. Um, there are several, at least two, uh, map of my maps of my dreams, um, which I liked a lot, but I didn't know what to do with them. Um, they are so detailed, mm. and the letters are so small that it's really difficult to read them. Yeah, and in that way, but, it's kind of like a conversation when someone tells you about their dreams. Like, <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> I never thought about that. So yeah. funny and so detailed, yeah, 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 and yeah. like charming and endearing. But I was also like, am I supposed to read all of this? <laughs> like, am yeah. I really supposed to try and follow the lines and read all of the notes? Yeah. And then also shout out to the... Cerberus jumping <laughs> and yapping at dying for meat. Cerberus wants to go everywhere. This is me. And then on some <laughs> of the maps, it seems like they aren't... You'd think they're self-contained because they sort of they cover... Um, 
two pages that open up next to each other. But then the following two pages will have more maps and you think, oh, that's a self-contained, that, these are two self-contained maps. I don't think they are. I think you sort of read them like in, in three sections. So the top, the bottom, the middle and the bottom, and that they continue um, onto the next page. And that mm. just messed with my mind. But where to me so much of the book felt forced mm. and like strenuous, reading these maps of her dreams or of someone's dreams, um, if it's not like I, I don't think it's true, but it those parts of the book felt more like based on an intuitive uh, sense of self than the book, which to me was mm. very forced um, and not I mean hard to read. Uh, and this felt like play, childish play. Yeah. Mm. Um, but what I, does it add to the book? What, I think what does it do? Just th that maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it does. I think it sort of helps you to because in the beginning, before the in the few pages before the pictures start, you don't really you're struggling with how to read this because it's not really like any book you've ever read. Mm. Then you see the pictures and you have no you've not been schooled in how to read pictures necessarily. Right. Yeah. And you just kind of have to give up and like, okay, I'm gonna look at this picture how I want and have fun with it. Mm. Maybe I think that's a really good point of yeah. like how we have not been schooled to look at pictures. Yeah. Or at least I haven't. Um, <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> But also really it it stops your reading. Like the second mm. part of the school uh, of the book, sorry not school. <laughs> it's called outside high school. And it starts with a small story of um, the the monster and the beaver and the other person living in the, the house. Bear, oh, it's the, the monster and the beaver living yeah. in the house and the bear tries to get yes, in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it starts out by that. And in the middle of the story, this is like three of six pages of pictures and you're like oh maybe this is a part of the story no it's not part of the story and then you finish reading these pictures and then you go back to the story so it really yeah. interrupts your reading yeah. you know? I'm like what why is it here and not all the illustrations work like that like yeah. some of them are actually just illustrations of yeah. what she's talking about like there are lots of penises mm. um, and there are lots of drawing of uh, Mayan architecture um, and then the, the dream maps that aren't sort of referred to in the text at all. No. Yeah, I felt like maybe the, the the monster and the bear and the beaver story was um, was a dream, and then that was a dream map. But then I didn't understand where we were going with with this. So I think it's also to interrupt your reading and say this is not a yeah. novel. Yeah. This is not a conventional <laughs> yeah. novel. Or this, yeah. yeah, this is a novel. But don't yeah. like try not to yeah. read it necessarily the way you've been taught. Exactly, yeah. and not being schooled in images yeah. and. It, If this is doing something new with literature, then like mm. I am always trying to like constantly make sense of what I read mm. uh, to fit it into something that mm. yeah a coherent mm. whole yeah right? like yeah. one scheme and, and then, you know that is what she doesn't do because this is not like mimetic yeah. representation yeah. of reality yeah yeah, yeah. this yeah. is something yeah. totally fragmented yeah. and mm -hmm. cut up and yeah. it's this is also like it's like it's it's um as we again. It's rejecting that whole kind of simple Freudian thing, like, yeah. oh, you just need to find out what metaphors are at play in your dream, mm. and then you'll work out, like, you know, from the oblique angle, that's why you're you're anxious about your relationship. And this is like going, oh no, 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 thinking is chaos. <laughs> oh <laughs> thinking no, is like, thinking is a thinking complex, is chaos yeah. because also because it's a it's a it's a male dominated way of mm. uh, talking because it's based in language and language is a patriarchal structure. So as a mm. woman, whatever I do with this language is just going to reinforce that I'm a slave because that's how the language is um, yeah, um, structured yeah. and then making and like like so explicitly showing that thinking is chaos is basically saying like you know denying that kind of male tradition and going like thinking is also about a body it's yeah. not about it's not about leaving the body behind mm. so it's about pain it's about desire and it's about 
um, mixing pain and desire and all these other things with 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 these highfalutin concepts of French philosophy and stuff. Mm. It's it's about not stopping and not putting barriers up and. That's why you can't really follow the beaver story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I like that also. It's not trying to put barriers up or like at the same time, it's a very demanding book. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I got it and I was like, okay, I'm going to read this on Saturday afternoon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I started a week yeah. before and then, you know, like it takes you some time to read it because it demands your attention to because you're trying constantly to make sense of yeah. it all. But maybe there's not that coherent sense we're trying to look for, but that makes you really like read it in a specific way. Yeah. yeah, and I felt that once I sort of gave up and <laughs> not gave up, but I sort of allowed myself to to not structure my reading and sort of the way that I've been taught to read books is when it became really fun. Mm. And when I started thinking, oh, this is such a cool idea, and maybe she talks about this later, and maybe I can learn about this some other. Like I found it more inspiring and more. It gave it more <laughs> me more energy than it it took to read. Yeah, mm. I, I agree. Like uh, also for me. Reading the part about Persian poetry, because I read Arabic letters, I could understand what the words meant or like how they sound, but I don't know what if it's true, the translation. But I got so caught up in trying to pronounce these words that I forgot to read the English part. And then I had to go back and it was really fun because <laughs> I was also learning something. I was also playing with it in within the book. So you're mm. kind of like writing the story mm. with her, I guess. Mm. Um, so I thought it played with some interesting notions of reading. Yeah. It's like that nice, yeah, so it's open, but open doesn't mean easy. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, as opposed to other things which are difficult, because you literally structurally cannot get into this mm. because you're not allowed in. Mm -mm. Whereas this is like, you, you can't come, on, come on inside, this is fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> More the merrier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, I mean, I think it's a good idea to read this book as a group of people. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you would like All talking about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> talking about it and reading together, I think yeah. that opens it up in another way. Yeah, you know, same. That's, that might also be a mm. feministic problem, like a, yeah. a feminist um, project of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But talking yeah. about that feminist thing, I felt that while reading this book, I sort of realized, I not realized, I sort of, um, I found another reason for why I didn't necessarily like Saturn Island, which we've talked about here. Mm. Um, I should have written down the page and the quote and stuff. But reading this book, um, I've, I've, um, I felt sort of secure and not liking Saturn Island. Feeling like, okay, it's, it's actually, it's, it's not necessarily my failing mm. that means that I don't like Saturn Island. It could be another thing. It could be so many things, and it's actually fine, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is like the antithesis of this yeah. thing. It's like super structured. Everything. Like, It's meticulous and told and yeah yeah yeah. Mm. yeah just so you make sure that you know that he's very smart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's funny because the the back side on the text that's on the back side was really confusing to me because i read that first same yeah. where it kind of it kind of suggests that this book is um the scrap of paper that janie found in her room and started writing her thoughts down so it's like the diary of a, a girl that's locked in and i felt like it was not Mm. that thing that no. they suggest on the back text so that was really disturbing for my reading of it in the beginning uh, because it says this is the story of Janie who lived in a locked room where she found a scrap of paper and began to write down her life but it's not only this her diary this is an incredibly self-assured blurb <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong yeah. but who is Janie because sometimes it says Janie said this um, and sometimes it's I 
Mm. Um, so yeah, mm. who who is telling the story? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's it's quite it's very tempting to read it as an autobiographical, mm. at least inspired by uh, Kathy Ecker's own. And she does life use story. sections of her. She does, yeah. yeah, and. Um, but then on page 126, she uh, talks about how Janie wants President Carter. Um, and then she says, Janie can't deal with any situation, which isn't a mirror of her desire. Janie isn't me. Which of the two do I think is real? Which just stumped me because it's like she read my mind thinking, oh, this is clearly something she's basing on her own perverted desires. And lovely as that is, obviously this is what she's doing. And then she just caught me and... Mm. But to me, this book is a total depersonalization of herself uh, mm. with this like cut up uh, technique yeah. and like uh, cutting up her own diary and yeah. reassembling yeah, it. Yeah. Um, it's totally killing the eye. Yeah, mm. it kills the ego. Is yeah, yeah, because yeah. you don't you don't get to control the production in front of you. You mm. give over to chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's never f- like straight from A to B. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it maybe starts with B and goes C and then. Something totally then a uh, Persian alphabet exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah then then like illustrations enter like it yeah so many different things because like okay if you have a dream map that could be regardless like from one person very individualistic but but at the same time if you like this could be anyone's dreams maybe this is not even Janie's mm. dreams this could be anyone's you know so it really it really messes with you in that way. Mm. It's fun to think about the, the dream maps in that sense of like, um, imagine someone who didn't have the confidence to just show how fucked up they were. Yeah. And then how they would try and structure the same dream into like <laughs> something that made sense and how boring that would be and how much better that book would sell. <laughs> Speaking of book selling, can I just read a quote that just warmed my heart? Mm-hmm. She's talking about Hawthorne and the Scarlet Letter and... Uh, about how he set it in Puritan times when the first uh, English people came to America Mm. uh, because there was a way for him to sort of mask that he was talking about his own time. Mm. And then the, I don't know if it's Janie or Kathy, whoever is talking says, right now I can speak as directly as I want because no one gives a shit about writing and ideas. All (laughs) anyone cares about is money. Even if one person in Boise, Idaho gave half a shit, the only book Mr. Idaho can get his hands on is a book the publishers, or rather the advertisers, because all businessmen are now advertisers, have decided will net half a million in movie and or TV rights. A book that can be advertised, define culture that way, which just was delightful because I've, for a while, I've been angry about publishers and advertising, and Mm -hmm. she just said it. Oh, it's yeah. also yeah. so accurate. It's also fun. Is like then reading earlier this year. I hate the internet and him talking about how all business has just become advertising, mm. and that's and it's this wonderfully thing. This wonderful thing of just like this uh, almost virus spreading through different industries throughout throughout our recent history to now, where just everything has to just be advertising. It can't mm. be anything else. And, and this, this is, is yeah. Sorry, this is written thirty three years ago. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like what? That <laughs> 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 was really like mm. yeah, four sided. But I mean, talking about it being autobiographical, like there is a part about her having cancer, which Kathy Acker also had. And I that'd be a time I, travel thing, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, like uh, this was I. Okay, so after reading the book, I allow myself to look Kathy Acker up more than mm. what I just knew from, from, uh, yeah, from whatever. And it seems like in a lot of bo- her books, people have cancer, or cancer is a recurring theme, mm. and. Um, 
this is apparently something she was very scared of in her life. And I think it's very interesting how that plays into a lot of her her writings. This cancer theme. Yeah, mm. you don't see the cancer theme that much. It's not like uh, you know your topus to go to. Uh, it's 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 interesting, and also the way she died herself. How she died mm. because she she died in alternative treatment for cancer. It just kind of sheds mm. another light on on this cancer theme. I don't know mm. how to really go into it, but. I thought it was interesting, at least, to think about. Yeah, yeah it, f- it felt quite eerie reading it, knowing right. that, how how she ended her life. Yeah, uh, and she cons- when she got cancer, she consulted uh, astrologists and all these alternative treatments, and didn't want chemo and mm. didn't want treatment. That was after, but she'd had a mastectomy. She had yeah. a mastectomy, yeah. and I okay, I'm not sure. Then I think she was in the clear, and then it came back. Mm. Um, yeah, and she refused to do anything about it except for like. A special diet and mm. astrologists and all that. <laughs> so, but that's um, interesting if you read yeah. her life story into to the the the, the transgression theme again, mm. or like yeah. the motive of this mm. this uh, novel that she doesn't want to be a part of uh, regular society with being healthy and like uh, getting your like disease away in the normal hospital system, whatever. Like mm. it's it's uh, it's interesting how it's like it occurs again and again. Yeah. Yeah, in her writers yeah. and in her life. Because I feel like it's also difficult to separate the writer from this book because mm-hmm. she has a mythology of her mm-hmm. own, Kathy Acker. Mm-hmm. And you read that into it as well. So yeah. me reading the book, I really tried to not Google her too much while reading the book because I wanted mm-hmm. to get like um, neutral reading of it. Yeah. But after I could see all of these things, okay, this plays into that and so on and so on. So it's like... Uh, you have to figure out how to read it before you start. Yeah, but <laughs> autobiographical reading is also really funny because at this point when she wrote this book, um, she had a boyfriend who was breaking up with her like slowly and moving away from her. And the whole dialogue with her father can be read as yeah, uh, this dialogue she mm-hmm. has with her boyfriend, Peter. Sure. At one point, Peter is mentioned. Uh, he's her <laughs> stuffed lamb. <laughs> oh, my God. Go. Reading that stuffed lamb uh, reference just reminded me of I'm Very Into You where she talks about all her stuffed toys. Yeah. Which was delightful. That's all I have to say about that. Mm. So, uh, but then this makes the question to me: like, how much this book gets read because people know who Kathy Acker is now? Mm-hmm. Is it possible to like read this as an artifact without that myth? Can I get through this? Read deep meanings into this? Would you I, have gotten yeah, through this yeah. if Kathy Acker hadn't yeah. been the author, mm, or yeah. would you just have been like? Yeah, that's but, that. but even mm. at the time of its publishing, as soon as it was published, the book was at the center of a surge of media attention. Like mm. you, with that, you even yeah. back in the day, you probably couldn't have. So maybe that's the thing. Is like she's actually she only exists as a kind of like holistic, like lived art project where she has to have like to get the book out and to get the book read, she has to become Kathy Acker, which is the whole discussion that her mm. and Mackenzie Walk have and yeah. I'm into. Like she has to like fully define that otherwise it doesn't yeah and also you've read the biography of her by Chris Krauss yeah. where it seemed we, I haven't read it but you said it seems like she's trying to break down remove a lot of the myths about Kathy Acker mm. whereas in both in this book and in um, I'm Very Into You it seems like she's both trying to build up the myth of herself, but also struggles with it. Yeah, and Kathy, uh, uh, Chris Krauss says exactly that about her in the biography, that at one point it became a burden, all these mm. myths that mm. she had created, and she became this person that she wanted to be in media. But then 
that wasn't exactly what she wanted, as we mm. read in I'm Very Into You. That, mm. Like, she couldn't live up to it because she wasn't this person that people then took her for. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it sort of became a prison. But I wanted, like, this is the question of, um, would this book be the same if Kathy Acker hadn't, like, existed mm. as that myth? But I would love to do, like, that blind test with all books. Like, yeah. what else would we read if there wasn't the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. author's name on yeah. the book, making it this certain product. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I tried to do that, but that's hard because she was kind of. I still knew yeah. who she were. But, Even if you but, yeah. turn to the back page and you see this page of this yeah. like, and you're like, oh, okay. The, <laughs> the, the punk, the punk look staring out at you. You're like, okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Also, the front page, like, yeah. like the cover of the book is a woman. Uh, but I thought like okay that's Kathy Acker like okay well, I didn't even think about it it's obviously not Janie if Janie is 10 years old yeah. <laughs> I mean hmm. 10 in some senses yeah. oh that's so something mm. <laughs> yeah so yeah like, I, yeah, I just think like it's, it probably is inseparable and I guess it is like a bigger project and, I, it make, and that also then it's a question of what writing is like mm. writing doesn't as much as we want to go like, oh, death of the author, blah, 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 like, all interpretations, of blah, 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 blah. Um, just, that, that, that was postmodernism, just boiled down to a very, a very quick summary uh, at the speed of sound. Um, but then we actually need, you need Kathy Acker to read Kathy Acker, yeah. I think. Yeah, you need the framework, yeah. you know, mm. to understand it through a frame, kind of. Yeah, I watched, um, there's a documentary about her by Alan Benson. On YouTube, I think is the name of the mm -hmm. person. It's, I think it came out around because out of in, this book. Yeah, actually, it came out in '84. Was when she became um, famous. Uh -huh. Yeah, and um, yeah, I watched it this morning, and it actually it really helped me yeah. with my reading of the book. Even though in the documentary she says, "Oh, autobiography is is so boring, and you don't want to hear about my life like that adds nothing to the book." Mm. And I don't want to disappoint uh, Kathy Acker, but it, it really helped me <laughs> in reading the book. Yeah, because she's so charismatic that mm. when you see her, you want to read her works, right? Yeah. Because you want to get closer to and find out you who is this You want to be her friend, person. yeah, exactly. Yeah, how does she think, uh, how did this come out of her, uh, and what does it mean? Yeah. And especially to me, like, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. But then I guess the thing is, like, you know, trying to reapprise what we mean by autobiography, and maybe this is actually what we need to do in the kind of world of autofiction that we live in now, like... Auto, autobiography is is myth making is fictionalizing is mm. is fictioning mm. Mm. yeah and it's hard as a writer to take yourself totally out of what you write of course yeah. that's impossible so and also today as a writer where you exactly. have to brand the book and you have to give interviews yeah and the advertising is more on you than it is on the publishing house like exactly. you on your Instagram to, yeah. yeah you have to yeah. go to Louisiana literature yeah. you are the persona of this book yeah. and like uh, very often writers are like the worst representatives <laughs> of their works mm. oh, and yeah. Tom McCarthy Colin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, she also talks about in the in the documentary. Sorry, it was a really good documentary. Ah, first thing I seen it. <laughs> she talks about how feminists apparently in the eighties don't like her very much because she's sex positive. Mm. Um, and I've forgotten again where I was going with that. Can yeah, but I can imagine that she was yeah. like not was what they were fighting for, mm. and yeah. she she was like. She was fighting alone, right? She wasn't part of anyone else's battle, mm. yeah. uh, politically oh, or like... Uh, yeah. I remember, yeah, she says that she's trying to mirror what she experiences and what she sees other people experiencing around her. She's not trying to portray like an idealized version mm. of, right. of mm. woman or anything. Like she's just mm. trying to be honest and she thinks that's what's needed, which I think is really cool. But she's also like engaged in something way more like 
philosophically sophisticated than a feminist project which is geared towards being as imprisoned as a white man. Like you're like, okay, great, you can be as conformist as a white man now. It's like that's not that's not the that should not be the end project of feminisms. Mm-hmm. But then that of course is offensive because she's like, let's break down the whole concept of bodily sovereignty. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> that's that's insane. That destroys the entire structure of society. <laughs> At one point, she has her father quite late on in the book when she's I think she's maybe a slave already. It's it's definitely later where she's more self-assertive, where she sort of comments to herself like, oh, well, you always need to be so sure of yourself and you're so potent and you can do anything and you're never wrong, blah, 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 which was kind of liberating because like in the first in the first few pages, all you hear is just her being unsure and what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? How do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. reminded me yeah. of, yeah. It's, it's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she kind of breaks that down towards the end by getting cancer just like you want me to be healthy and a person in society well Mm. I'm not gonna be that because I'm gonna get cancer I'm gonna let my body kill itself (laughs) so you know fuck you society yeah yeah Yeah. so on that note Megan you just said like (laughs) yeah it's a good book but would you recommend it Um, to people who are curious yes not to just some guy who's saying I'm looking for something for a vacation (laughs) especially not a guy (laughs) <laughs> I think I think because like guy like you recommend it to a guy and you're like oh it's like a front on picture of a penis it's an angle I've never seen before there's two reactions to that huh neat or ah who am I um, no it's great I think it's a great book I think it's a great contribution to things I have no idea I, I, I have no idea how much I've missed in it reading it mm. um, I don't know how I'm going to read it again I imagine at some point I might try <laughs> mm. Um, oh, other of her books? Oh, yeah, other of her books. I mean, I yeah. Comparing it to Great Expectations, though, I think I somewhat prefer Great Expectations a little bit. Maybe. Oh, really? Because I prefer this book to yeah. uh, Great Expectations. I think I just prefer it because, like, maybe I feel like Great, great Expectations is, is conceptually tighter, mm-hmm. and maybe that's just like my indoctrination into the patriarchal system of communication. But <laughs> but, but at least that's it's more to me that was more accessible as a read, mm-hmm. and this was harder work. Okay. I felt the yeah, it was but, the reversed. But it's still great. Like hard work's a good thing if it's, you know, not rewarded with money. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dida? Uh, would you recommend it? I would to my feminist friends. I would be because I feel like it could be an important work in feminist thought. Mm-hmm. Um But on that note, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, as like an important work. Do we know any authors who have like a Uh, directly descended from Kathy Acker's writing because I could only think of Chris Krauss who is I think definitely inspired by Kathy uh, Acker the Hexa School in, yeah in Je- Den- I mean um, is definitely yeah definitely they yeah. use her as a part of their curriculum in Hexa School and the, mm-hmm. the, the witchcraft mm-hmm. school for writing um, but like I recommend it to anyone on the street that would come into art books mm-hmm. I, I don't know I would have to know a bit about yeah. this person yeah. to understand if they would even get through the book mm-hmm. yeah because I'm not I'm not I don't know if I would have gotten through it myself like that easily mm-hmm. like that fast as quickly as I did yeah um so if people who are interested in feminism I, I would recommend it and yeah. like to, with the disclaimer that it's difficult mm-hmm. to read but fortunately with this penguin modern classics edition it's quite cheap now so <laughs> wow. take a chance. Yeah. Yeah, easy to uh, easy to get. Yeah, but I mean, it's also the kind of book that you buy 
or for me at least, I would buy it and read it and then never read it again. Mm. Yeah, I would not go back and read it again. It's it's no, I can't. I think I might dip into it. Mm. Like just go go like I want to just look at a section. Which is what you were saying before, Sarah, about how it's but oh, it's saying you guys, you, your Instagram oh. profile blows you into one. <laughs> we're in sync. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sarah? I would. I, I think I'd recommend it to everyone mm-hmm. uh, who asks for a recommendation, um, because even if it is a man, he might he might surprise you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd recommend it to everyone, and I'd I'd read it again and again. Uh, and I'm still in love with Kathy Ecker, and I want to read everything she's written. I'm not saying men can't read it. No, no, no. I, I, I get what you're saying, <laughs> yeah. but like, yeah. if you if you recommend it, to, like, with the right words, yeah. And if yeah. you, uh, you know, I'm saying some you know, hitch up your skirt, some 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 number number pig from a from a consultancy company on a vacation. Maybe you'll have you. an epiphany. Maybe you will. Maybe you're right. Yeah, but it's not your, again, it's like not your typical narrative where you feel you emphasize with the main character mm. and you feel like mm. inspired and so on. Like, it's not that type of novel. It's an no. anti-novel. It's not yeah. a novel. Yeah. And it's not a novel. Yeah. <laughs> Recommended maybe for the style and like yeah. the importance of that genre and style and what she does at that yeah. time. Mm. Like, I think it's good to know. I mean, so, if people like William Burroughs, I would say, well, go ahead and read this one. Like, mm. that would be the line yeah. of thought. Like, that's, I mean, not to mention him before her necessarily, but I guess uh, he's more mainstream in somewhere, more famous. I don't know. Mm. But uh, yeah. And yeah. uh, I guess so you'd recommend it to you. Um, yeah, I don't know to whom. I'm like, I like it a lot. And I'm starting to um, to read now uh, my mother, Demonology. So I'm definitely not done with Kathy Acker. But it's very specific. And yeah, it would, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would recommend it definitely. But yeah, to specific people mm. uh, saying uh, certain things, <laughs> what, what they're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a secret code. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm looking for something with <laughs> wink, some wink, like wink. Some, some genital drawings. Mm. <laughs> oh, not just two though, like more than two. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh god. And with this, I'm gonna give the word to you, Macon, oh, who god. is gonna be the host of next month's yes, episode. What uh, are we going to read next month? Next month, we're going to be reading The Sellout by Paul Beatty, which was um, last year's uh, Man Booker Prize winner, the first uh, American uh, Man Booker Prize winner. And it's the story of a, uh, a black man in the contemporary United States who ends up going to the Supreme Court on trial for owning a slave. It's apparently a savage satire of contemporary race. <laughs> so looking forward to that. Me too. And me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, pretty fun it's weird it's written really weirdly not as weirdly as this it's gonna seem like a relaxed read after this <laughs> i've heard people like oh, i'm kind of That's struggling nice. it's got some weird preposition placing like no but after this like we're really stretched okay. out we need something recreational oh, yeah. <laughs> like there's a there's a like the sentences all end mm. which is a, a nice change yeah a nice change Thanks for, right. thanks for joining us, Dita. Of course, yeah, it was well, wonderful. Founder. <laughs> Founder. <laughs>